Isn't that awesome? Happy Easter, everybody. We're so glad you joined us today. And you can go and have a seat. That'd be wonderful. And we'll jump in with this reflection today on the resurrection, on believing in the resurrection to be true for our lives as well. Our choir and uh, singers are going to come back in a little bit for another song, so we'll get to enjoy them again. And so I don't know, but, you know, when that song talks about his endless love and and I just know so many of you, and you know me, and so it's just an, an amazing thing to just talk about the love of God He has for us. And I know so many of you, you've experienced that love, I've seen life change, I've seen you know Him, and walk with Him, experience Him, and the change. So it's just great to sing about that, but it's really great just to be here together. Be here as our family today, just love you guys so much, and just so glad that you're here with us, and we're going to focus on... The whole idea of the resurrection. So I just really you know, want to thank you for, especially those of you who don't typically attend a service on Sunday, thank you for being here and taking time to be here today with us. And so I know that we're here for lots of different reasons. And so uh, some of you came because it's a family tradition to attend Easter services. And so you grew up doing that. And it's just natural for you, and you want all your family to be together. You've got a meal plan, and so it's part of a tradition for you. Now, others of you, you're here because you were bribed to be here. I know that, right? And so <laughs> if you're good with that, I'm good with that. I understand you get to have brunch later or a meal, so I'm just really glad that you're here. Some of us are here because it was Easter that we truly fell in love with Jesus. We heard him for the first time. We experienced him. And so... We make sure that every Easter we're in church because it's just so important for us to be back with him again. Some of you, you're here and you used to be active at church at some point. You were uh, maybe been involved in a huge way even, but you couldn't keep up with what you felt were the rules or the expectations. And church became more of a burden than a blessing to you and you kind of dropped out along the way. Maybe others of you, you experienced a negative side of church. You felt criticized, judged, you were gossiped about, you didn't feel that you were accepted in some way. So it really coming today is a challenge for you. And I just want to say thank you for trusting us. Thank you for being here. But whatever your reason or your story, you just got to know, I'm glad you're here, but God is even more glad that you're here. Glad that you're here with us today. Because here's the deal. Today, this weekend, over 2.2 billion people will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a huge deal. And the reason it's such a huge deal is that the resurrection is the anchor of our faith. It truly is. If Easter is true, then it's game on with our faith. If Easter is not true, it's game over. And why are we here? Why are we here? The resurrection of Jesus was the singular event that launched the church and Christ, the Christian movement into the world that we now know about today. I don't know if you know much about church history, but uh, until Jesus was crucified, there was just kind of this ragtag group of people, and some of them even with a lower educated group of the uh, people of that day, uh, that they were gathering together around Jesus. There was no organization. There was really no idea of a movement. And then something happened. Something happened when Jesus was crucified and he was resurrected, and it exploded. It exploded to become what it is today. The resurrection is the hinge, it's the anchor upon which Christianity is founded. You see, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, everybody thought 
that this is what would happen with Jesus, that he would stay dead. Everybody thought that. You know, that nobody expected him to be raised from the dead. And so when they went to the tomb on that first Easter morning, nobody expected to find nobody, okay? <laughs> but that's what they found. That's what they experienced. And then after several personal encounters, as he appeared to people in his resurrected flesh, they gradually adjusted to a new way of thinking. Jesus was alive. A dead man came back to life. One of my favorite story, Christmas, uh, Easter stories, I'm sorry about Christmas getting mixed in there. One of my favorite Easter stories is told by a man named Bruner, Dale Bruner. And he's talking about, he was a pastor, and he's talking about his church. And so they had children's ministry, much like we have going on down here where many of your children are. And there was a first grade teacher, and she had all her boys and girls, and they were all in their Easter outfits, and they're sitting there. And so she asked them this question. She asked them this question. What were the first words Jesus spoke when he came out of the grave. And little Chloe's on the front row. She's going, I know, I know, I know. Teacher called me too. I said, okay, Chloe, what were the first words Jesus spoke when he came out of the grave? And she said, he said, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, right? I guess when you've been raised from the dead, ta-da's a pretty good thing you can say. I came back to life. So the resurrection was the joyful, exultant, ultimate stamp of God's approval on the words and life of Jesus Christ when he was here. The res resurrection means that everything else about Jesus, about faith, about love, about God, about forgiveness, about helping the poor, about purpose, about what God values most, what Jesus said, it's all true. Ta-da! is like Jesus saying, I told you so. I told you so. You can believe in me. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to grab these message notes out of your program. They're going to be very helpful for you today. For some of you, this will be you'll be matching our artists and your drawings on here. It'll be something you might use this for today. But also, you might want to take some notes uh, of the things we're going to talk about today. And don't be overwhelmed when you look at this. You're thinking, how are we ever going to cover all that in one sitting? You know, we will. And so you'll actually be to your Easter brunch on time and all those things. But I want to, this will be helpful uh, to keep you in tune with what we're talking about. Also, if you have your Bible, you can open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament after the Gospels, Romans and Acts and Romans, and then you find 1 Corinthians. You can open it there. And so I just want to say this right now. If you don't own a Bible, our church wants to give you one. So if you stop, there's some bookshelves right out there. We'd love for you to have a Bible you can take home and you can read for your own. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to go to this New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. It was written about 53 AD. So here's what we know. We know that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead around 33 AD. And so this book was written, this letter was written to a church in Corinth about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul is writing about the truthfulness of the message he delivered when he started a church in Corinth, when he was there, uh, and somewhere around... Um, 50 AD. So here's what he begins with. I'm going to begin with these words. He says, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. So what he's saying is, I came to you before, two to three years ago, and I had this message. And here was the message. It was the message of Jesus Christ, and that he had gone to a cross, he had died there, and that he had been raised again. And that was the center or the hinge point or the anchor of their faith. That was how the church began in Corinth. 
And he says this, he says, you welcomed it then when I taught it, and you still stand firm in it. Would you underline that stand firm on your notes there? That's going to be something we're going to come back to at the end of our time together today. And he says this, it is this good news, the gospel, the good news about Jesus that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. So you might have placed... Misheard me is what he's saying here. So I just want to clarify so you actually know what it is that I said about the gospel so you can know that you're standing firmly on something that doesn't change. So what I want to do is I want to share three things that we're going to look at today. Three things from these, this account from 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, three of the most mind-blowing truths that I think we can know. They're all fueled, uh, that fuel the spread of Christianity from this ragtag group to what it is Today, So just three things, and they're going to be really simple, and I like simple because you're going to remember it this way. So three things. The first one is this. Believe the resurrection really happened. I need to believe the resurrection really happened. So what Paul's going to do in these verses, he's going to lay out the case for believing in the historicity and the accuracy of the resurrection story. He says, because without the truth of the resurrection, then Christianity was just another attempt by people to get to God or to figure out life, to explain life in some way. So this is what he says. He begins in verse 3. I passed on to you what was most important to me and what also been passed on to me. So let's just stop there on your notes. Just underline the word passed twice there. Passed on to you what was most important and what also been passed on to me. That word passed is a technical term that was used when someone would say, I've researched this, okay? So Paul was saying, this is, I'll stake my name on this. I'm sure of my facts. I've investigated the details, I've investigated the stories, and I'm banking my life on this, and you can too. And then he says this, here's what I'm banking my life on. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said, so he's drawing it back to what happened then, to what the Old Testament Bible actually talked about. And then it says that he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. So what Paul does is he begins his defense by talking about the basic truth we all need to know. He made a point that Jesus came to set us free from our shame and guilt. Jesus came to set us free from our sin. Jesus, as Mark talked about last week, he didn't make the cosmic journey to earth just to be a tour guide or a religious guru or a spiritual coach. He came to set us free from our sin, set us free from the shame and guilt we carry because of our sin. Says then, talking about the witnesses, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. So he starts talking about people that um, are, most of them, we're going to see in a minute, are still living. And he's saying, here are the people I've talked to. Now you can go talk to the same people if you doubt the veracity of what I'm saying, the truthfulness of what I'm saying. So you can go talk to them because they're still alive. And he said after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. So there was a meeting, a gathering, and there were at least 500 people who said they followed Jesus. They were all there, and they all saw him at one time, most of whom were still alive. That's why I said some of them might not be alive. Maybe there's 500 who are there. Maybe there's 425 still alive. But he's saying that you can go to Jerusalem, and you can find the apostles, Peter, and you can find the ones who are still alive, the 425 are still alive, and you can talk to them. You can go find them. And what you'll find is that they will corroborate my story. Now, here's what's really cool about this, is that as it, when I've been studying a lot about the formation of the church, and as we look at this idea about the formation of the church, we, we see that um, 
when he lists people by name and he says that you can go find them, here's their home. He didn't give their address. He didn't give their cell phone number. But he said, here's how you can talk to them. That what he's saying is, is that they're real. And so he's, he's actually putting the Christianity on the line here because if they were to go to these people and they would find out that what Paul was saying wasn't true, then what would happen? Christianity would have died. But when they went to the people and they talked to them, the witnesses, they said it is true, and then Christianity was birthed out of truth, out of understanding. And then it says this. He says, then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. So James here is the brother of Jesus. So when it's talking about James in this section, it's the brother of Jesus. And I just think this is an awesome thing here is that now James, James wasn't his follower. You know, Jesus grew up with James. Jesus started his ministry. Jesus was baptized. Then Jesus went out and healed. Jesus did, he taught. But James was standing back, you know, I'm not sure. Well, you think about this, okay? He, how would you like to have Jesus as your older brother, right? And so there may be some brother tension going on here. But once Jesus was crucified and was raised from the dead, James was full in. He was full in. And he said, I'm going to follow Jesus as well. And it says all the apostles. Through all the apostles, you can talk to them. Now, here's just another fact that may be you know, helpful in us understanding and believing that the resurrection really happened is that when you look at the apostles and you study their lives and uh, what we can learn from tradition and in other writers that wrote during this era, as we discover that the apostles all stood up for Jesus, they all followed him, they all then launched out and became part of the church movement in their day, and every one of them in some way was martyred for their faith. And you got to know, if you're going to believe in something, you're not going to die for something unless it's true. And so they were dying for what was true, so we can trust the testimony of the apostles. And Paul's given us evidence that we, that we can have, that we can believe that the resurrection really did happen. And then he talks about himself. He says this, and I believe it's with great humility, too, and awe, Paul writes, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. I also saw him. Now, if you know the story that Paul, his name was Saul, he became one of the, the first radical people against Christianity. He's a terrorist against Christianity. And so he was making sure that Christianity didn't get started. He was fighting against it. We called it the way, this movement. And so he became one of the early proponents. But he wasn't just you know, saying, we're against you. He was actually you know, leading, you know, catching them, taking them into the Roman Colosseum so they'd be eaten by lions and leading to their death. So he was a radical, radical. Well, he was going to Damascus so he could find some Christians there. And bright light comes before him. And Jesus Christ appears there and says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he had his first encounter with the risen Christ. Paul actually saw him. He actually was able to say, I too have seen him. And it really helped because now he's got his faith firmly founded in his own personal experience with him. So now I just think there's so much there that we can say the resurrection really did happen. It really did happen. Second idea is this. And remember, it's going to be really simple. I believe that the resurrection is still happening. It really did happen, and it is still happening. So the resurrection is the main deal. It's not the Easter bunny. And the resurrection is the main deal that we celebrate for Easter. But you need to know that Easter didn't just happen once. Easter is still happening today. Still happening today. 
people who are spiritually dead are still being raised to new life, to life today. So our community group, we've been praying for uh, the grandson of a couple in our group. And uh, at one point, uh, the dad, uh, the, the couple in our group, they weren't married together, now they are. But he had a child from his previous marriage, and the child lived with him until age 11, and then was no longer living with him after age 11. So we've been praying for this child because of the circumstances I'm going to read about. They'll help you to understand. And this is what she wrote to me on Thursday night. She says this, Jesus never ceases to amaze us with his love, grace, and mercy. We've been praying for our grandson to find the Lord since he was a child. My husband raised him until he was 11. Now he's in his 20s in the Air Force, stationed in Washington State. Today he posted on Facebook for the world to see that he has asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. Oh, it's just awesome. Oh, uh, a piece of this I left out when he went to live with his mother. His mother forbid anyone talking about Jesus to him. This is hope for you. This is hope for you who have children, who have sons and daughters, grandchildren, or maybe even it's your grandparents or your parents. There's hope that Jesus is moving and he wants to take those who are spiritually dead and give them spiritual life. And it was just, he goes, this is what, this is really cool too. He says, he is so serious about this commitment that he's coming, flying from Washington to be in church with us for Easter. And he was here in our service last night. It was just wonderful to be able to just say, congratulations and welcome to the family. And she ended, we are beside ourselves, beside ourselves with joy. I think that's understatement, right? Beside ourselves with joy. The resurrected Jesus is alive. He's alive and he wants to bring us to life as well. Now, here's what Paul says, beginning with verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, here's the key, thing, key thought here, now the resurrection from the dead has begun. So would you underline that? Now the resurrection from the dead has begun. It is happening. When Jesus was resurrected, he started something that would be a reality for all who belong to him. And so here's the deal that we need to hear today. Resurrection power is yours. To not only bring you back to spiritual life, but then to help you live the life he's given you to live. So we're talking, we're talking about what happens when we say yes to Jesus and we receive what's made available through his death on the cross for us. The Bible teaches us that what happens is, is he takes the old and he makes the old new. The Bible teaches us that he takes us who are old creations and he makes us into new creations. We receive a supernatural power, this is mind-boggling, supernatural power that is, the Bible says, that is as strong and as effective as the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Some of us, this is a wake-up call. So I'm, am I living, am I believing that through the Holy Spirit in me, which is placed in me when the moment I said yes to Jesus, that I have him can be empowered with the same power that raised a body to life? Spiritually, I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. Jesus lives in us and through us, and he renews our lives, and he gives us power to live new life. Now, Mark read this verse earlier. It's not on your notes, but I did put it on the, get it to the screens so that we could have it there so you could read along with me from Ephesians chapter 1. He says this, Paul says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power, so it's awesome 
for us who believe in him, that's who it's for, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So you and I have available to us resurrection power. Now next week, we're going to start a new series, and we've called it Reset. And the reason we're doing this series, and it all came out of conversations that I started having with folks last August, and as school was starting, and I was especially hearing from some moms that as school was starting, how frazzled life was, how new schedules, uh, it, priorities were getting out of whack, finances were stretched, and now we just go to all of us, the things we feel. We feel like life's going too fast. We feel like, how do I keep up? How can I just deal with the craziness going all around us in the world? What's going on in my marriage? All the kinds of questions that we ask. And so we decided what we're going to do is right after Easter, because we're talking about resurrection power, well, let's talk about how the resurrection power can act in my life, how it can work in my life. And that's what this series is going to be all about. Because so many of us, we're at a place right now where we say, you know what? I need a do-over. How about a reset? That we're going to have a reset together, and we're going to be able to hear from God as we focus on him and what he says about how you and I can live the kind of life that would be called a flourishing life as we live it with him. Okay, third observation. I told you it'd be quick as we go through this and simple. Believe the resurrection will happen again. So believe it really happened, believe it's still happening, and believe it will happen again, a resurrection. Since Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, a greater resurrection is coming. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is like a movie trailer of the amazing film yet to be released. It's going to be amazing, folks. The resurrection of humankind from the dead to be able to go to heaven, to be with him. And so this is where God takes one, someone who's physically dead and gives them a new body and gives them access to a new place called heaven. So I'm going to uh, read a quote to you, but I'm going to tell you where the quote comes from first in case you want to do some more exploration on your own. Uh, Lee Strobel uh, was a reporter in Chicago for the Chicago Tribune. And at a certain point, his wife became a follower of Jesus Christ. Lee Strobel was an atheist. And so because of the tension in their home, what he decided to do is he decided he would just prove Christianity was wrong and win his wife back over. And so he started an investigative process. And so he went through an entire process of trying to figure out and prove that Christianity was actually false. And so through, you know, he went all over the world. He went and studied. He asked people. He investigated, just like Paul was saying we could go do from the people who saw the first resurrection. And he gets to the end of that, and he's got a choice to make. Here's the choice. He's, is there's, here's, he could say that Christianity is false, or he could say that Christianity was true. And based on all of its evidence, he made the choice and said Christianity is true. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ so he could know new life. And he's lived for Jesus since. Well, he's got a book called Case for Christ, in case you wanted to read about his pilgrimage, about his story. Uh, we have some copies in the bookstore if you want to look at them there, especially his great sections on the resurrection and why I would believe that. But here's a quote I want to read from Gary Habermas in the book. He says this, every single shred of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is also evidence for my eventual resurrection. So as I believe the resurrection really happened, I believe that it's also proof that I will have an eventual resurrection as well. So I just want you to listen and to read some Bible verses, and this whole section is mainly just what God's Word would say to us today. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to begin in verse 42. 
Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, so this would be for all of us who are broken. How about all of us? Some level experience brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness. Once again, I don't know about you, but this is for all of us. We all experience weakness. We all know that. But they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies. That would be all of us. At least I think. Okay, All of us. They will be buried as natural human bodies. But they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as they are natural bodies, they will also be spiritual bodies. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed the horizon of what is possible after death. That we can be physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and relationally made new. With Jesus comes the possibility of a new resurrection. And this doesn't mean just life after death. It means the renewal of creation. As our bodies are made new, the Bible says that God will make the, the earth new. A new heaven and a new earth. And we will get to inhabit that. And be there. So let me read some more verses that talk about the resurrection and the possibility for us. Paul goes on to say in verse 53, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? That's what's available for all of us. He's painting a picture of heaven, just as our artists are painting a picture of the resurrection of Jesus. He's painting a picture of heaven. The future promise of the resurrection is that everything will be wiped clean, everything will be made whole, no more shame, no more guilt, no more abuse, no more loneliness, no more broken lives. There will come a day when everything is put back under, in order, under the rule of the Father, as it was designed in the first place. The resurrection solves the biggest problem we face. We have a lot of problems, but the biggest problem is death. And what happens after death? For those who believed in Jesus, what we've learned here is that death is not the end. Death instead is the gateway. It's the gateway to a new life. And Jesus promised that he's gone before us to prepare that place. Therefore, we can face, if we can face death with confidence, we can face any problem we face that we come against because he's overcome the grave. Now, what I want to do with the Easter, just a little different, I want to end with a challenge. And uh, I had a lady come see me this week in my office, and we were talking about the series that we've had that we've been dealing a lot. In case you don't go here, we've been dealing a lot with how do we respond to culture, and, but how do we live as followers of Jesus in a world that is actually attractive instead of repulsive? 
talked a lot about that and how do we can you know impact culture without being weird so we've done a lot of trying to coach us on how do we live and she said ron we need more of that and so what i want to do is i want to end easter by with a challenge and it's not just my challenge it's actually paul's and so we're going to talk for just a minute. This is for followers of Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can doodle on your notes for just a minute. Okay, so this is just for those here who are followers of Jesus. And I'll just say it as I begin. Our world needs followers of Jesus who act like, respond like, love like, care like, and comfort like Jesus. That's what our world needs. And that's why I believe that Paul ends this amazing section on the resurrection by, with this challenge. And it's in verse 58. So if you have your notes, you can underline some words as we go. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, underline that, and immovable, underline that. Always work enthusiastically, underline enthusiastically, for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Underline that whole phrase, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So our choir and our band is going to come back on, but I just want to give you three challenges from this verse, three challenges. If you're a follower of Jesus, first one is this. I will stand strong. I will stand strong. I will be strong and immovable in my belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No matter what people say to me, no matter what comes at me, no matter how I'm pressured, I'm going to stand strong. I will stand strong for justice. I will stand strong for unity. I will stand strong for love. I will stand strong for racial acceptance. I will stand strong for the hope that everyone, no matter who they are, no matter where they've been or what they've done, can be a recipient of God's amazing grace. I will stand strong on that. Two, I will stand out. I will stand out. I will stand out with enthusiasm, okay? I don't want us to be weird now, but I want us to be enthusiastic in our belief here. I will stand out with enthusiasm and for those of you who remember, we had a series called Stand Out, and what we did is we talked about what Jesus Christ would actually look like in culture today if he were here, and you would be able to know him because he would be loving, he would have peace, he would have patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what we want to be known for. We don't want to be known for what we're against, but we want to be known for what we're for. And this is what we're for. We're for bringing Jesus to our world and culture. We want people to see Jesus in this way as we respond to the events in the world. And then lastly, I will stay focused. I will stay focused, followers of Jesus. Now, what, what I mean by this is he says that we will be, uh, we'll understand that nothing we do in this world is useless. It's not in vain. So I'm going to stay focused on what I'm supposed to be doing, what he's called me to do. And I realize that God has placed me here to be his hands and feet. God has placed me to be here to be his salt and light. He's placed me here to be his presence in the world and that nothing I do for him will ever be in vain, will ever be useless. And so I'm going to stay focused on the mission he's given me as follower of Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples of everyone we meet, baptizing all of them in the name of the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, and when you do that, I'm going with you. I'm part of that, and that's what he's called us to do. So, folks, I'm going to stand strong under the cross. I'm going to stand out under the cross, and I'm going to stay focused under the cross. And we need to remember that the cross is for everyone. No one is excluded. 
We're all in need of the shame-removing, life-transforming, love-infusing power of the cross. We all need that. Jesus came to die on the cross, and he was raised from the dead so that we could experience all kinds of new life and life with him in a perfect relationship.
for just a minute. I want to lead us in a prayer. If you just mind just sitting there and just give us a moment to just to reflect. And as, as we were singing this song this morning, first service, it hit me so strongly with those words. I'm alive because of the cross. The cross has made me alive. And, you know, that's my story, too. When I was 25, I found Jesus, and I was a long ways away from being who I am today. And uh, my trajectory was all the way downhill. And abuse and drugs and all the things that come along with lifestyles where you don't have any, they don't have values. And it was just all about what I could get and experience. 25, I met Jesus. You know what, folks? I don't think I'd be physically alive if I hadn't met Jesus at 25. Just couldn't. I don't believe that could have happened. But then I met him. And today I'm not only physically alive, but I'm spiritually alive in him and what he's doing. And so now I'm just going to give you a chance. If you wanted to say yes to Jesus, please bow your heads and let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here at this moment with your spirit working in the way it is, we can sense your Holy Spirit here. So we just ask right now, maybe you're like me and that your trajectory is not toward God, your trajectory is away from God. You know that. And you'd want to just say to Jesus, I want to change. I want to choose you today, Jesus. I want to say yes to you. 
Oh, if you do, you just say yes right now. Just right, say yes to yourself right in your head, right in your heart. Yes. Yes, I turn to you, Jesus. See, I just let you know I've got shame, I've got guilt because I have sin. And so right now, Jesus, I'm asking you to take my shame and guilt because of what you did for me on the cross. I want to be clean. I want to be spiritually alive, Jesus. So I turn to you. And now I just pray as you empower me, as you place your Holy Spirit inside of me too, that I would be able to live in resurrection power. And so for all of us right now, we'd pray together. If we're in Christ, we'd say, God, I want to pray that you would give me the courage to stand strong on the truth of the resurrection. I ask you to help me to stand out in a positive way that would influence our world, that people would be drawn to you, Jesus, into a relationship with you to know new life. And I pray that you would help me to stay focused because, just like me, there are so many people in our world who need to hear this message. Help us to know that as we give and as we serve and as we go, that nothing we do in your name is ever useless, ever in vain. And I thank you for the just time we've had. You're glorious. It's in your name we pray. Amen.